TPN, hello, it's Adam again. Back at you again with another solo episode on my own, trying to hold down the fort. Hope everybody is flying into January in the most wonderful environments. Up here in the north, it's been bitter cold and tons of snow. In fact, I'm originating out of Milwaukee area. And for the first time that I can remember, all the major airports in Wisconsin, I think, canceled all of their flights for two days. Uh, almost all their flights. Uh, it was pretty nuts up here. Never really seen anything like that. Uh, to all those who were flying in that stuff, well done. I had a couple friends who were doing that. I know they landed in O'Hare during the blizzard. I did not have to do that. I've done that in the past, and I'm sure I'll have to do it again in the future. I'm glad I was. I sat this one out, even though we had four days of kids at home and power outages and all that good stuff. But uh, everything is uh, looking a-okay here, even though we're in a deep, deep freeze, as it were. Not the coldest I've seen. I'm, not, I'm sure not the coldest that anybody within the sound of my voice has seen. We're just hanging tight and enjoying what we've uh, got, a little bit of family time. And uh, some NFL playoffs for you NFL fans out there. I wanted to uh, bring up something today. Um, I'm going to get into some Q&A from the uh, Facebook group that I saw that are kind of interesting. Uh, But before I do that, I wanted to bring up something that I did that was so stupid. And it was the first time I've ever done this. And I figured this will be a good lessons learned and a, a primer for those of you who are getting ready to make that transition from the military to the airlines, or for those of you who are new to part 121 flying and going to an airline is, uh, I went down to training earlier this month and got down there. No problems. All ready to study my, uh, my stuff for CQ. When I pulled my iPad out and the iPad that I pulled out was the one the company gave us Prior to the current iteration, it was the last iteration of our iPad, EFB. And it was the one that I bought from the company as a tablet for one of the family members. And I looked in there, sure, lo and behold, is my wife's name on it with her uh, little label maker. And my personal iPad and I thought to myself, well, this is going to suck. I get into the training center kind of early the next morning uh, to go. So I got to look at stuff that was on our company website. But there was still things in the EFB that I needed to see and read from our flight crew training manual and other manuals that were associated with uh, just kind of, you know, looking over some of the things that we always look over for CQ. And if any of you guys have any questions about stuff like that, like what's good to look at, go to your company page and check out uh, the, the best way I, I've done it for my company is I look at what the actual material that we're going to be covering in the sim is. And then I kind of backtrack off of that and reverse engineer it by looking up uh, in different volumes what I need to study, what I need to look at. It actually is much easier than Air Force stuff 
uh, from the past where it was just, okay, make sure you know it all when you go to your check ride, especially when you're going through formal training. And what I realized was not having my iPad really put me kind of in a, uh, in the hurt locker. I was going to have to figure this out on the fly. So I went in, uh, to the, uh, training center, uh, the SIM building, and I went to the, they have a, a locker there that you can get a, a loaner EFB. And the loaner EFBs were gone. There was not one to be had. Not surprising, I guess. There's, it's not a very big locker to grab one. So I was kind of stuck. And I went to the sim and talked to the instructor. Told him what I had done. How it, it, it asked for forgiveness. Um talked about how uh, dumb of a human being I am. And he uh, he was real cool with it. We made it work. He actually took a bunch of screenshots of the material we'd used for out of our Jeff's plates. And I used that on my personal iPad, which is not very uh, conducive to training. But since it was a maneuvers validation, um, as we call it, uh, not a uh, not a line-oriented uh, experience or line operation experience, I can't really remember what that stands for but anyways it was it had to do with just uh maneuvers that we we're gonna fly I, I didn't really have there wasn't too much paperwork not a whole flight plan and all that kind of stuff so that was good anyways i then after the sim had to run back over to the airport and go into the chief pilot's office to pull out a efb to then return back over to the training center and drop it off uh the next day when I got back to the airport, which was uh, quite simple and didn't didn't take much to do. But it was more time that I just didn't really want to be spending to take the shuttle over to the airport and kind of wait around, uh, you know, extra hour out of your day that you don't want. So the point being is once we get into the rhythm of flying 121 operations, we get into the rhythm of going on trips. We go down to the training center I've noticed my rhythm is thrown off and I don't pack the same stuff. And sometimes I'll repack a bag and I will leave out things that I need for the next trip, um, like window shades or uh, stuff that I use on uh, certain charging cords that I, I was like, I don't need this. I don't take it or I don't take the whole bag. And I just kind of take a few things that I need out of one bag, put it into just one primary, my primary uh, 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 roller bag, take that down. So I kind of made a little mental note to uh, redo my checklist every time that I go out on a trip or I go out or I go down to a training from my current location uh, in Milwaukee. And instead of going to training and just grabbing everything, everything that I would take for a trip, which is what I assume a lot of people do, and it's probably the smart move, I've decided that I will actually look through my bag and make sure that even if my iPad's not charged up, I normally have a night to charge it. So there is, who cares if it's charged for the flight down there? Yeah, I can look over some stuff, but if it's not charged, so be it. Who cares? I'll do it when I get down there. So that was my, uh, my dumb, dumb move. Uh, and something that I hope that a couple of you can learn from and make sure that you don't make the same mistake. It's not like it's added pressure. I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. So I, I didn't feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not gonna be able to pass my check ride or CQ. But when we're new in this job, it can put that added pressure on and make you uh, more concerned about kind of how you look 
and uh, the perception that you're not well put together before you get into the sim and what your instructor or evaluator might think of you. To me, that's worth its weight in gold, having that confidence. I've talked about that in interview preps so many times, having a new suit, feeling like you're at the top of your game when you walk into an interview. It's kind of the same thing when you walk into your check ride or your annual whatever you're doing for your airline or wherever you're going uh, if you're not an airline guy and you're doing 135 91 stuff or um, you're checking out in a new uh, new airplane for training for a new company or something like that just that added little bit of stress to put on yourself is just something you want to avoid going forward so I hope some of you learn from that and you can develop your own rhythm. Uh, for those of you with little kids, it's it's really tough. I try to make them a part of it. When I'm packing my bag up, I normally do it uh, in plain sight of them, so it's not a surprise. They know I'm getting ready for a trip, and we start that process early, and, and it's not a shock to their system, uh, especially my 7-year-old. She, uh, she really wants Dad not to leave, so... That kind of helps that too as well. She kind of sees dad getting ready. She asks where I'm going. We talk about that. She always asks, what are you going to get me? I say, well, this trip, probably nothing, but sometimes she gets a surprise. So just just food for thought for those of you who are out there uh, in that same situation. Anyways, uh, that's that's kind of a summary of, of how Adam was stupid uh, recently and how you can avoid being as stupid as I was. Uh, for uh, for those of you who want to hear some q and I've been looking through the Facebook group and just checking out what some people are asking. And uh, there's some really interesting stuff that people have been bringing up. I, I found one that I, I wanted to touch on here um, about the GI Bill and using, rating, uh, using it to get ratings and certificates. This came from an anonymous member who um, uh, wants to get a seaplane rating. And from my knowledge is you can use the GI Bill for pretty much anything in aviation that you want as long as it's through a formal school. Um, I I don't know if I would use it for a seaplane rating unless your kids are all older and you're not going to use it for any of that stuff. Um, But those are are things that you definitely want to look through and think about before you um, take advantage of the GI Bill for something that um, may not have a real return on investment. You can look at the GI Bill as an investment, in my opinion, and and put it out there uh, as as such, and then turn that back into some sort of, uh, as as we like to say in the real estate industry, or and uh, and doing some very minor entrepreneurial stuff with TPN and beyond, um, a profit center. Uh, so just think about it that way. If you're going to use your GI Bill for something fun. Um, go for it if you if that's what you want to do. But also you can use it for something investing in quite a bit more uh, for your future or the future of your family. Um, so that that was one thing. Uh, and then I think uh, here's one that I was looking at too that I thought might really um, catch a lot of people who are kind of in that transitional period say another anonymous member um and uh this was uh just in the last week basically somebody uh talking about nearing the end of their seasoning orders and transitioning to the air force reserve looking to make the jump to the airlines i think a lot of us know that feeling just trying to figure out where to go uh with the end goal of a major airline it's just under two thousand total time 
Um, looks like a C-17 pilot. Uh, 660 hours of secondary. Uh, 850 as a CFI, and all the requirements are met for an ATP, which means um, I he probably doesn't have an ATP. This this pilot doesn't, um, and uh, hasn't heard anything from Alaska uh, and Delta where they have applications in. You know, what's the and looking for advice on what's the best use of time? Either going to a regional for a short bit to get that one. 21 time and type rating and an ATP or just getting a ATP and a piston twin. So, uh, and then the last piece of that is lastly, our sub 1000 turbine multi-hours competitive. Well, um, there is uh, a lot on here, um, to unpack. Uh, looks like the author has, uh, the post, uh, had their, uh, is going to get their application reviewed uh, and take a look at that. Um, smart move there. There's a ton more answers. Uh, I'm just going to summarize what I think is a really good option right now, and that's going to a regional airline. The bonus money and um, the uh, the direct entry captain stuff for those who qualify is quite lucrative for the first couple of years. And if you're going to get stuck at a regional uh, or, you're, or, or something happens in the next couple of years, it's better to have a seat uh, before the music stops than playing musical chairs without any chairs left. I always think you're trying to advance down that road of if, you're, if you want to get to a 121 airline to get part of the 121 world. And doing something not necessarily affiliated with the airline that you want to go to because of the flow and there's so much stuff that goes into that flow process at different regionals that going to one that's not affiliated, uh, which this person has decided that that's what they're probably going to do, is, I think, a very good decision right now. Uh, it, it, it also depends heavily on family life and everything else. I tell young folks that hitting up an ACMI carrier, I, I know that they have some negative press uh internally amongst pilots and the way they treat them is uh is a great option if you want to go get time and see the world and have a lot of fun it can be uh daunting it will teach you how to uh deal with um exhaustion <laughs> and being uh, fatigued out on the road it's also a cool time to go out and see the entire world on uh, the company's dime and also getting uh, getting paid for it. So I think ACMI carriers and what an ACMI carrier is, for those of you who don't know, is aircraft crew maintenance and insurance. That's like Atlas and Kalita and places like that. There's a lot of good ones uh, out there um, that are smaller. There's some that people have a lot of negative things to say. Uh, no matter what you think about them, uh, they do give you a very unique opportunity in flying. If you want to just go and uh, raise gear and flaps in a passenger carrying service, hit up a regional, get those hours uh, cranking and get paid a bonus to, to basically um, make more money than any regional pilot has ever made in the history of the airlines since they've become a thing. So that is not a bad option. And you have a seat at the table uh, if and when things kind of go south. 
Uh, it will probably make your resume more competitive if you also participate in other things outside of just flying the line. Uh, once you get uh, that year under your belt or so, you can volunteer for other things within the company, be a recruiter, uh, do some union work, whatever you want, whatever whatever's available to you. Just helps uh, that strength of resume and strength of application. And getting it reviewed is always a great option, in my opinion. Um, there's lots of great services out there. We are really good friends with Spitfire Elite and Checked and Set. Both do a great job uh, when you want something, uh, when you want that resume and app reviewed and checked out. Just uh, just ideas for, for anything that you uh, are interested in that way. Also, uh, I, I think that anybody wanting to move that ball down the court, those are options. Uh, there's lots of options out there. Just don't paint yourself into the box or into the corner of the box. Uh, there is, there's a lot of other ones out there for those of you who want to do tactical stuff, still are interested in that world. Um, there's like the California fire, uh, uh, they, they're, they look for pilots. There's some really cool stuff that they do. Customs Border Patrol has some unique opportunities if that uh, kind of fits your bill. Uh, for those guys who are at the much older at the end of the career, who don't necessarily who have a place that they want to live and stay, um, and, and aren't looking to move and don't want to commute, there's options outside of of that too as well in the Part 135, 91 uh, area. We're trying to get uh, uh, people on board with thinking outside of hey do the best for you and your family. And that may not mean going to a legacy carrier. There's lots of options out there. So keep, keep that, um, that thought process open. Um, <laughs> I just came across a funnier post, um, uh, by Roger Alec, a great one, man of the future, U S air force navigator. <laughs> and he's got a, uh, celestial navigation. Uh, it looks like, uh, device uh and there's a b-52 in the background uh is that yeah it looks like an old b-52 um i don't know what model it is but it is it's an older picture it looks like it's probably from the 60s fantastic uh love it um that's the kind of meme humor that uh we need so much more of uh, there's, of course, a lot of news out there with um the 737 door plugs the uh a350 that collided with the dash eight people posting and chatting about that one of the things that i had an opinion on um with the news is man does the major news sources out there get aviation reporting so so wrong and it's i, I try to keep my uh opinions uh to myself on certain things um but the if there's one thing that they do not do very well, it's they don't contact the airline. Um, if they do, they're going to get some boilerplate uh, piece of information uh, right off the bat because they're trying to be the first to crack the story, first to break the news. I think the, I think one of the things that I wish they did more of was chat with the union uh, comm committee people, the communications committee people, to get uh, the pilot's take on what happened. And it may be a similar reply as to what the company has stated, but let's be frank. We know a lot more than the average person does about what could have happened in an incident. But we also have the 
wonderful capability of knowing how many safety reports have been made and reading and, and studying those throughout our career to say, we're not sure. Um, I remember when I saw the JAL 350 thing, uh, first thing I thought about was, I wonder what the lighting on the Dash 8 was, having flown uh, and seen lots of Dash 8s in my time when I was flying Beach 1900s in Afghanistan. And uh, you, were, was there was there some sort of uh, error in uh, the ATC instruction? Um, and then reading a lot about that and them be, there being some garbled radio stuff that people can't really make out and uh, just terrible situation. My, my heart goes out to that crew um, it, uh, for the Dash 8 and their families and even the guys on the, uh, the, the JAL 350, um, you know, being part of that and not knowing um, really what had happened until well after the fact. And I'm sure we're going to find out more. And, of course, then what happens is there's a crack in a windshield a couple days later on a 737 uh, in Japan. And, oh, they turn around and land like that was some big deal. Lots of people I've known have had cracked windshields. It's just not that big of a thing. I think I read somewhere where the the statistics, basically, that happens once a day throughout uh, all the flying in the world. So. I, you know, they just grabbing at a story, trying to get clicks. It's it's annoying to pilots, and I think it's good for us to kind of take a lead on it and um, and kind of correct some of those uh, those misnomers that are in the news about how they operate. And people you, you might maybe saying, "Well, gel, you know, are they unsafe?" No, they're not unsafe as an airline. Uh, that looks like it was a very uh, freak thing and it's it's highly unfortunate that n- nobody wants any accidents to ever occur especially us in the industry and when there's life lost and metal bent it's um, I mean the metal can always be replaced but the lives lost is just something that we we do not tolerate well and we'll um, we continue to strive for that perfect safety record across the board so uh, I and it's good to post and have these conversations within within our group and talk about it from a pilot's perspective. And yeah, we're going to do our second guessing and Monday morning quarterbacking. Just we 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 as pilots owe it to each other to keep it respectful and know that we weren't there in the situation. I've had my fair share of uh, incidences, especially uh, flying in the Air Force, and every single one of them was. Uh, if somebody would have been there and seen it, they would have had a much different opinion of what happened and how we handled the situation as opposed to their initial reaction and how it was talked through. Um, so those are, th- those are a couple, uh, that I saw, uh, that were kind of interesting. Um, there's, uh, uh, Hey, uh, Coulter Heiler. Um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that, uh, correctly is uh, looking for a Piper aero-sized hangar in Montgomery, Alabama area starting this summer. If anybody's got a contact, reach out to them. Great stuff as always, Network. Thank you so much for continuing to stay connected, networking on the Facebook group. We want to see more of it. You are the lifeblood of the Pilot Network. That's why we also want to see you at TPNX in April, 19th and 20th up in Minneapolis. Tickets will be coming out shortly. Stay tuned for more airline releases. And as always, if you have comments, concerns, complaints, critiques, or if you just want to tell Matt and I what a great job we're doing, write us an email, Hey thepilotnetwork.com. If you need more information about the Pilot Network, TPN Pro, or TPNX, 
head over to thepilotnetwork.com. You can find a way to contact us there. We do have an email, too, a weekly newsletter from the Pilot Network. We hope you'll join us. And as always, keep the shiny side up and the greasy side down. Fly safe, everybody. Let's <laughs> go.